This is PBE Daily Early Mornings and Late Night Podcast. My name is Point Blank Yvombi. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this episode. I know you're going through a lot, seeing as the festive season is coming to a close, and so is the decade, and we are about to embark on a new year. This episode is actually being recorded on New Year's Eve. I, contrary to popular belief, I don't like being out on the night before New Year unless i'm doing a gig and even this year like I, I didn't even want to court the idea of having a gig this evening because i just wanted to be i wanted to be home it it, it sounds weird but i had at least three back-to-back events in the last couple of weekends and as a result of that this is clear proof that i'm turning 35 next year so <laughs> i felt i felt drained and i just I, I i also needed to sit back and make some drawings and as of the work that i've been taking care of i'm three pages shy of freedom and i just wanted to be able to have a moment to myself and time to myself and just reflect upon everything i wanted to do in the coming new calendars and as a result of that i'm actually grateful for that particular fact because god bless her soul this lady showed up and she's one of the ladies who takes care of cleanup for the compound and everything and she asked for if i was interested in getting some laundry work done and for the first time ever i allowed somebody else to do my laundry for me i always used to take care of it for myself i've been doing that for quite some time now and the last time i think i did that is when i had roommates that's when we had actually i actually had somebody else wash my clothes for me prior to that I used to do it myself and then when when i moved from that situation and started to live by myself again i did it myself again and it was always a good excuse to actually get thinking done and get creative ideas rolling but since she offered and she gave a rate that was actually very favorable i figured okay let her make her coin and i'll sit down and actually get some artwork done and i think it works to my advantage i was able to get a lot of stuff done move from four pages to have three pages remaining to be drawn and she did an amazing job and god bless her heart and i'm sure in the new calendar we'll be able to make things happen in regards to making that happen and it actually made me realize that i own a bunch of t-shirts that need to start making their way out of here because i think i've reached a level in my life where this is going to sound vain as hell but past a certain amount of fade on the collar of a t-shirt i think it's time to let these guys go unless the fade came with the design in that case that t-shirt's not going anywhere every other that does not have that particular setup you have to leave you're you're free of all your bounds that you're supposed to have as far as i'm concerned pardon me now aside from that i also caught up on my uh reading again there was a book i started reading a couple of uh, months back and i never really got to finish it and i know it sounds weird when i say reading because i was listening to an audiobook of it and the book is by nasir gamai or gamai let's it, it's g-h-a-e-m-i so i'm going with gamai or game gamay whatever Nasir Gemai, he wrote, wrote a book called A First Rate Madness, uncovering the links between leadership and a link between leadership and well, basically the, the psychosis and, and mental illness. And he covers a couple of world leaders, specifically or predominantly from the United States and from Germany. And when I say Germany, it's it, it's, it's a precursor when it comes to it because it, we're probably talking about Adolf Hitler, and that's what he was talking about. And there's a statement that he actually mentioned that I'm going to actually touch on because from listening to the book and revisiting what he was saying is it, it made me start questioning and it made me start revisiting something that i've been i've been seeing predominantly in 2019 to be more specific and it was the rise and rise of a curiosity and a build towards better understanding mental health and i think it's a good thing that we're actually trying to tackle this as a person who 
had two, 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 three moments where I actually questioned my mental health and I questioned my mental abilities and my mental capacity to push myself forward to better understand that which is the situation at hand or the situation right in front of me. And because of this book, I, I started to look at things differently. And also, I, I'm glad this book came across my my eyes because initially the thing that was actually really concerning me was the whole conversation that was revolving around mental health and predominantly it's because of the podcast consumption that I have. I'm, I'm, I'm a big fan of Charlemagne the God in a sense of the fact that he's constantly pushing himself to make more material come to life, but I'm not a, a bigger fan of how to a certain extent he will parade the idea of mental health. Sometimes it feels like he's, he's addressing of anxiety and mental health. To me, it felt, initially it felt as if he's touting the story as a, as this totem is going to latch his career onto as his long-lasting legacy. And as much as I'd like to hate on the fact that he actually did that, I can't hate on it because he's actually right. We do have to address mental health, mental anxiety, and situational anxiety, and lifetime anxiety. We have to address these things. And I know people who are actually going through and tackling the situation, be it in therapy and everything. I was even suggested to go into therapy. I, 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 I believe I still have the number I was given to, uh, to potentially make the phone call. But I've always been of the resolve that I'd like to find a way around that before going to going nuclear, if you will, I would like to find a way where I could actually better fulfill that which I'm trying to attain in regards to the successes I want to make in bettering both my mental health and my social anxieties or my social panic that I may have here or there because and unlike most people would actually like to admit whenever i'm about to have an event the days leading up i'm very relaxed the days that are actually about to be punched in to begin the event i never really panic i never really worry because when i get closer and closer to the time the event is supposed to be done i relax more i'm in more control because all the panic tends to be or seems to be in the eyes of or in the existence of the client the client is worried that I won't be able to actually fulfill my, my my obligations because some of them have never worked with me before. And in order to put them at ease, they have to know that I'm at ease. And luckily for them, I'm eternally at ease whenever I get to the venue. The panic is prior to the day because I expect that maybe they may change their minds. I've always had this self-defense mechanism of, which I've mentioned in this, in this podcast, which is I think worst case scenario first and then worry about the repercussions thereafter so when things go the right way the residual effect becomes just happiness and success and i'm happy about that but when things go sideways and they go wrong i'm also mentally prepared to actually deal with it and be on damage control mode and make sure everything goes goes swimmingly and everything goes perfectly in accordance to the plan that i have the one thing that i think that has really suffered in regards to my anxieties and my my mental instability in sense of how I conduct myself, I wouldn't say it affects my work. My work has always found a way to bounce back. It's never had to worry of what's coming next. It's never had to question if it's going to build itself up again. It just needs a nap and a good meal and a sense of gratification for what it's actually done. And as long as I fulfill those things, my mind will always give me the relaxation I deserve and grant me the opportunity to get things done again. And as has been proven in the last one week of being on break, this being the second week of being on break, as long as I let myself sleep, I'll be productive. As long as I let myself relax, 
when I return to actually pick up the pen and do the work that needs to be done, I will make even more impactful work. And that, I believe, is the one thing that makes everybody want to be successful and makes everybody want to be happy at the end of the day. But the one thing that has truly suffered, I think, to a certain extent has been my belief or my driving force towards love. I made a conscious decision two years ago to not be in a relationship again. And in those two years, I haven't been in a relationship. I've attempted it. And every time I've attempted it, it actually has ended up proving the, the decision right. Because as much as I sometimes tell myself, it's the, it's the same time, it's the same way I tell myself I'm not going to have a beer. And after three, four days of being sober and I have something successful happen, I'll give myself a victory drink. And that's my theory. I always have victory drinks. Depression drinks always go sideways. And the second meltdown I had this year was because I was trying to force happiness. And I had a meltdown and it happened side by side with a drink. Those two things ended up working against the greater good. I didn't take time to reflect in a sober mind. Adding those two things was never going to happen again. But when it came to relationships, I simply am not in that space. I'm still not there. I know I've said it before, still on this podcast, and I'm not there anymore. The kind of passion, the kind of grit that would make me really put my mind in a position where I feel like I would actually take time to be of a loving nature to a beloved, I am not there. I haven't been able to return to that particular individual that I was. I haven't been able to constructively be able to do that. So all my energies have been pushed towards my work. Granted, I've met a couple of people who have proven to be not only magical in my eyes or magical to my heart, but I don't want to be the thorn in their existence because I'm not ready. I'd, I'd, I'm, I'm willing to sacrifice a relationship if I know I'm not mentally prepared for it. I'm willing to I, I would tell a person how I feel about them and then I'll tell them why I'm not going to make any move or actually make a pass towards getting with them or being around them. I feel it serves them better if they get that kind of truth from me. Because if they don't then I've, I've truly failed them and that's the last thing I want to do for or to any other woman. I have sisters, I have a mom, I, I, there's nothing I'm going to try to do to actually mess up the female gender or the female being in any way, shape or form. So in, in self-defense, I'm going to make sure I do not put, the, put a person through that. But then to return to what the, the whole idea of anxiety and, and addressing anxiety, the overcorrection of anxiety. When I looked at the book, A First Rate Madness, uh, Studying to Mental Illness of World Leaders, there are two types of leaders when it comes to how this book was written by the author. Uh, again, his name was Nasir. I'm gonna say I'm gonna just go with the name Nasir because I'm not um, Gaimi, Gaimi, or I think it's the second name, Nasir Gaimi. I'm sorry for saying your name wrong, but Nasir. When Nasir was putting this book together, Nasir was clear in the sense of towards the end of the book, and I know it's a spoiler, but I think you, you, there's more details in the book that's not really going to be a spoiler. You should find this book and actually take a look into it. The character says that. There are two types of leaders. There's a peacetime leader and there's the wartime leader. In peacetime, you need a person who's actually very, very relaxed and composed and probably a manager. You just need a person who can actually just move things from one place to another and make it possible for them to actually succeed. But that type of leader is the, not the right type of leader to have in a time of war. In a time of war, you need a guy who's a bit insane. 
he actually kind of blatantly puts it out there without actually saying the words but you need a person whose mental stability is not truly a hundred percent because a person who's mentally unstable can't function in peacetime the person who's mentally unstable can think outside the box and outside the norm he can actually make things come to come to fruition in the perfect way because they are not driven by how the norm is and the norm he describes it in a term that was actually created by i think it was a, a psycho i call it a psychologist doctor by the name of dr dr granker it's g-r-i-n-k-e-r dr granker i'm gonna go with that I'm, I'm guessing he's german i'm not really sure so dr granker came up with this term called the homo the homoclite now the homoclite is a description of a person who believes in and i quote those who follow a common rule there are people who follow a common rule they believe that the universe works a certain way and according to the upbringing they've had maybe in the faith that they have christianity that good is good and bad is bad and all that all that kind of thinking Homoclitic individuals are what we try to be every day of the week. We try to be constructive in every single relationship we have. We try to be constructive in every single uh, conversation that we have. We try to be uh, the best piece of a conversation, a best piece of a business and interaction and all that. But in times of war, you need a person who can truly tread this homoclite lifestyle because because they think outside the box, they're able to do even more and be even more vastly successful. Now, they give a contribution of a person like uh, the, the characters being d- checked out in this book are from Winston Churchill, who was a belligerent drunk, yes, but he had a sense of inst- mental instability. They look at Mahatma Gandhi, who also had a sense of mental instability. So did Ma- uh, Martin Luther King Jr. Now, Martin Luther King Jr. and uh, Mahatma Gandhi have. Yes, they both believed in a peaceful means to getting revolution, but they also had something else in common. And it's actually one of the things that kind of drove me to actually wanting to read the book. I don't know where I heard it from. I think it was a podcast or a, or a, or a blog I was I was checking out. But they both, in their youth, were suicidal. And because they were suicidal, and it kind of gained them a degree of empathy towards all other men. And it bettered them in service to the world in that which they sought. Now... Contrary to how he ended his life, Adolf Hitler did not have suicidal tendencies as a child. This is based upon the book, and I could get some factors wrong, so please find the time to look for this book and check it out. And the description they give this character is Adolf Hitler, because of his excessive drug abuse to deal with the kind of anxieties that he was actually going through in his mental illness, because of the excessive intake of the different drugs he was being given by his doctor, he wasn't the same degree of medication as John F. Kennedy. And John F. Kennedy was dealing with his pain and his long-term illnesses. And, of course, his excessive um, sexual dalliances that ended up to cause a couple of STDs. But then again, I don't think he's the first head of state of the United States who had STDs to, to deal with. But away from all that, to deal with the whole situation of how he was not... John F. Kennedy was not bet, best equipped to deal with the Cold War because he was best built for peacetime. He wasn't built for wartime. He couldn't function in wartime. And in terms of war, when a person who's built for peace is given such responsibilities, they keep on throwing money at the situation and keep on throwing lives at the situation. And that's one situation, I think, when it comes to JFK with the Cold War, it's similar to George W. Bush with the Iraq War. His whole situation is he felt wronged and he felt his country was wrong and he went into attack mode. If he didn't have wars, I think he would have been a great manager because he proved himself as a manager when he owned a football team with other people and he was successfully gained his minions thanks to that. And if it wasn't for him owning a football team and actually running the football team, he wouldn't be able to be seen as a person who could manage or run things because of his failed oil businesses and oil business ventures. 
Because of the baseball club, people believed he could actually run things and he could run a country. But because of his strong belief in faith, he was able to change his thinking and probably give him a more stronger base to become a politician in the sense of being governor, two-time governor and two-time president of the United States. Now, he was built for peacetime, not built for wartime. Abraham Lincoln also had a degree of depression and, and mental illness. And he also felt kind of he was a heavy depressive because at some point a woman did not want to be with him and he felt really low he damn near killed himself and you look at these particular leaders and you see a person like J lincoln going through that made him better equipped later to deal with the civil with, with, the, with the civil war they were going to to go through there's a general who served in the cold war who is the very beginning of the entire book's history and and strongly suggest, strongly suggest for anyone who's really questioning their mental illness and mental path and mental direction in the coming year, sometimes maybe because man is flawed and I am very flawed as a man myself, I may not understand the struggles that come with mental illness. I may not understand the, the strife that comes with you trying to adapt or better equip yourself for the world around you. But I do suggest that maybe that which you feel is society is telling you is you're ill could be the strength that you haven't really diagnosed. The reason why I keep on encouraging most of my friends who go through depressive strains and depressive moments to try be sober and actually face the problems that they're facing head on is because until you rationally deal with the situation that is actually the thorn in your back and the elephant in the room, you'll keep on drowning yourself and not facing that which needs to be tackled. It's never going to go away until you face it. For those who actually watch the movie Dr. Sleep, you kind of get where I'm coming from. For those of you who see the need to better yourself by actually facing head on the problems that you're facing, I strongly suggest that you tell this to your friends, tell this to your peers, tell this to, to your colleagues. It's important to face that which is in front of you and putting you in danger head on in order for you to better serve not only yourself, but the world around you. You are made of even tougher stuff than you would ever believe that you are. But do take the time to try to face these problems head on. Do take the time to face these issues and find solutions not only for yourself, but for the world around you. There's no problem too difficult that you can't lift it. Sometimes it feels that way, but sometimes the only way you could actually know how to lift it is because you have to find out how to do it piece by piece. And the only way you can do it piece by piece is by facing the problem in its entirety through time. There's no easy fixes and no quick fixes, especially with the mind. There's no such thing. If anyone has ever suggested that, it's a fallacy. It's a farce. My suggestion, and it's the reason why I'm making this topic be the one that I actually ended 2019 with. Take the time to face that which is around you head on. Take the time to diagnose it. Take the time to look at the issues that you're facing because sometimes the issue you're facing is debt. And debt is unavoidable, especially in the world where the commercial business, the business world is intent on making you become a creature of debt. And as long as you are a creature of debt, they're able to make their coin. As long as they're able to make their coin, they're able to keep on moving economies to the betterment of only the 1%. But only way you could fix that is if you take the time to start finding your solutions for yourself. I've never been shy of telling you that I am very fearful when it comes to matters of money. I'm very insecure when it comes to money. I fear being in debt and I fear being broke and I fear not being able to have a roof over my head. So one of my pet projects is still one of those things that would give me that kind of independence. On top of that, 
I've never been shy to tell you that I live in an SQ situation in Kilimani where I'm able to not only take care of myself and make my way to work without worrying about how I'm going to get there and back home. I found a situation that befits me and even though I, I could afford to be in a better place, I like this place because there's a simplicity to it that actually betters me every step of the way. I am content with the fact that I'm able to build. What I'm not content with is to stay this way forever. There is an end game. Same as it has been in every situation I've told people, the things that I started damn near a decade ago are slowly coming to a close because they're successfully being seen through. Because I know that which I do takes time. And because it takes time, I will fulfill that time in the best way possible. So my last message to you as you make your way into 2020, diagnose, vet, build, think consistently only of the solution you're going to give and not of the problems that dwell behind. It's in the past. Move forward. And for the last time of 2019, say it with me. Be Caesar or be nothing at all. Thank you very, very much for supporting this podcast for the last couple of months. We started in May. I don't even know how many months that is. It's borderline 10, I believe. And as we continue to build on this podcast and continue to make ourselves better and better, thank you for being a supporting factor. Thank you for being a supporting energy. I can't wait to make more episodes come to life in the new year. And until we make it to the other side of this weird night clock that's about to hit later tonight. Uno.